Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Relative Digressions. It's a special edition of Relative Digressions. Uh, a bonus digression. A bonus digression, because coming off the back of our uh, sequence of episodes on Trial of a Time Lord, we have today, for the first time on Relative Digressions, a special witness. Yes, it's someone who isn't me or Flick. You're Renner. Oh. So you've you've just given my name, so I'll give you that, name. Okay, that seems fair. Yes. So I'm Renner. This is this is Flick, and we have joining us. Hello, I'm John Lidge. Uh, I'm I I I am a writer and journalist, and I spent a lot of my life thinking pointlessly about Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, shockingly appearing on a, yeah. a screen behind us that we all have to crane our necks to. Yeah. Right, cra- exactly. Cra- you zoom are... on Colin Baker's face at this jo- point. Jo- jo- John, how do you feel about growing a goatee? Um, uh, pathetically incapable, to be honest. Ah, <laughs> I did. I, I I went for a phase of having a beard about eight or nine years ago, and I look. The beard looked really good from the front. It really suited me. Um, <laughs> right. it, from the sides, there was no beard on the side. It just ah. it just stopped. And no, and no, and nobody has had the heart to tell me. Oh. Um, um, so, so, so that was a, that's a phase I prefer not to think about. So, uh, tell us a little about your yourself, uh, your your career, and also, of course, the most important thing: how you relate to Doctor Who. Okay, so I'm going to get I'm going to get the plug in right at the start, just so sure. I don't forget. Um, yes. I am I am shamelessly, uh, among other things, plugging a book at the moment. My first book, The Compendium of Not Quite Everything, uh, is out. It's an attempt to to distill all human knowledge into 300 pages with jokes. Okay. Uh, I think there is at least eight different Doctor Who jokes in there, which I managed to sneak past past the editor. It's not a Doctor Who book, but it's you'd be amazed how often you can kind of get it into random subjects. Anyway, that's yes. so so. Please 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 buy that. I won't mention it again to the end. Is, is, um, it, is it available at all good book retailers? Um, um, and also, hopefully, all bad ones. Um, oh, that's good. It's, it's definitely available through the most evil company in the world. So, so that's <laughs> nice. I, I assume it also has a, a digital. It, it does. It's available on Kindle. There's there's an audio book which is just me reading it out and regretting and, my own sentence uh, structure. Uh, uh, and am I right in saying you've also recently started a podcast, sort of building off the book? Or there is. Sort of- yeah. There's a there's a so the book's called the Compendium of Not Quite Everything. There is a sort of podcast of Not Quite Everything. Which which is me interviewing fairly random people about the special subjects. So the two we've done so far have been Helen Zaltzman on the relationship between power and language and uh, a journalist called James Vincent, who's working on the history of measurement, uh, talking about things like the metric system and and this, the weird measurements like the Finnish one, which is the, the the distance you can hear a dog bark and all that kind of crazy <laughs> stuff. Um, so, it's, so, so, so basically I write about absolutely anything. But, but despite all that, um, about... Probably about thirty percent of my brain is dedicated to thinking about Doctor Who at any one time. I, I, uh, I mean, I mean, that's you're in good company here. Yeah, I, I, um, once upon a time, I had to keep this secret, but then, then, then Russell T Davis happened. Then it became cool, and, and suddenly it was okay to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we were trying to work out. Um, I, I, I am a bear of a little brain, so I retain no information at all. Uh, but Flick famously like doesn't forget anything, and so I suspect. Like a large portion of Flick's brain by volume is just incredibly dense Doctor yeah. Who knowledge. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think that I got I got the gig rising for Big Finish by just knowing so much minutiae. 
<laughs> right, you, can, you, 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 Flick has an uncanny ability to, uh, you know, I'll name some, I'll, I'll come up with some idea for like a story that Doctor Who could do, and then Flick will be like, oh, actually, they've already done that one. Uh, they, they've all been they've done. They've all been done. All been you done. you yeah. can't come up with an, a, a totally original Doctor Who story. It, it just, at this stage, it cannot be done. Um, but this is, this is, I think, a big part of the appeal is that yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's functionally infinite. You know, you are nobody is ever going to experience every Doctor Who story there is out there. There will always be a Doctor Who story you you haven't read or heard or, or, or seen on this television. This was almost the conclusion that we reached when we were discussing Trial of a Time Lord was that it really demonstrated and all of the behind the scenes business around it that Doctor Who had gone beyond just being a collection of science fiction stories into something that was much more accurately just called a phenomenon. Um, so did you start watching... I, 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 when did you start watching the show, John? Who, who was... Uh, obviously, there is a question. Who was who was your first Doctor and who do you think feel is your Doctor? So I can, um, I can pin it down to an exact story. Uh, the, first, the first story I ever watched was was survival so it's all right. my fault um right uh, I, I arrived at exactly if we fight moment. like animals yeah, I, we die like animals I, I watched three episodes and they cancelled the show for the next 16 years um <laughs> the reason so so like sylvester mccoy is kind of chronologically my doctor um uh-huh. but because i was uh, I, I think i got properly into it for a for a school friend of mine um, mm-hmm. who heard a bunch of novelizations and slipped back on tape and Day of the Daleks and all this other stuff floating around. Um, and, but I think what, what attracted me to it was what you were just talking about. It's the, the scale of it. It's the, just the sheer amount yeah. of this stuff to explore. Uh, and, and I think there's a similar, like in, in the way that like, you know, uh, people who first get into Lord of the Rings, uh, it's not it's not my thing, but I hear people do. <laughs> um, I think they're often attracted by kind of the, the maps and just this kind of like this 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 whole world uh, to explore. Yeah, and I think the story table kind of plays a similar function there. Um, but but I don't know if you've seen that there is a Doctor Who atlas imminently oh, coming out. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. I, I, what what's going to be in that? Do we know? Yeah. I, I, it doesn't feel like a very mappable universe in some sense. Yeah, um, I've only seen a scan of one page by the artist, so I don't really know. But it, the the artist uploaded a picture of um, Scarrow that had all of the locations we've seen on Scarrow sort of drawn on it. But I think their arrangement was basically pulled out of a hat. Uh, Scarrow, of course, being the planet which, in which two civilizations uh, have been at war with each other for, for centuries, even though their only cities are within walking distance of each other. Right, <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, presumably the rest of the planet is like quite idyllic beaches. Yeah. But like, I, I really um, want to write a story where they go to like the southern continent of Scarrow that's just never yeah, heard about just, the war. They're just, they're they're just like, oh, so we were just, we were just, I, I, so, we don't really talk about you guys. It, it, oh, I mean, oh, you rule the planet. That's nice. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but, but, but yeah, so uh, I, I arrived just as they were cancelling the show and got into it in like 1991. So does that mean you read like things like The Virgin New Adventures? That was, that's exactly and- what I was going to say. There. That's, that's very much my era. Um, that's the kind of bit that I kind of grew up with and was following as an ongoing story. Uh, one, one side effect of which is that there, there was probably a period of well, maybe 10 years in which I really, really disliked Big Finish and all it stood for 
based on the fact that it was just it was just you know it's it's like that endless war again isn't it it was just the other faction um right right it was the people continuing doctor who who weren't your yeah it was yeah it was like they 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 had an approach i didn't like there are a couple of there were a couple of specific individuals involved they didn't like but mostly it was that they weren't you know they weren't commissioning my mates very much right right (laughs) did you get on well with the uh the bbc books when it handed over to the bbc because i think that's renner uh, Renner's introduction to the Doctor Who universe was the BBC McGann. Oh, really? Uh, just, yeah, uh, just a couple of them as well. I, I literally, I was a very voracious reader as a child, and so I, I literally just picked up. I think I started with one that was like knee deep into some kind of deep lore about faction power. It made no sense because you had to like have read like eighteen books or whatever to understand any of the things that were happening. If your introduction to Doctor Who is Lawrence Miles and you stick around, you're probably in for a good time. Right, right. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, yeah. La- uh, Lawrence Miles once told me he fancied my ex-wife while urinating. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, that was Lawrence was urinating. That was an clear. ambiguous sentence. Um, which is, there was, yeah, just, there was yeah. just this weird phase where we just kept bumping into Lawrence Miles in pubs. This happened like three or four times. Because <laughs> um, like he was, he went through a phase of attempting to be a stand-up comic, um, uh, and and was going to a lot of gigs in the Islington area where where my ex and I were living at the time, and we just <laughs> we just kept bumping into him. It got quite weird. Um, Suddenly worries whether that's libelous. Oh, never mind. Uh, is it that, I, I always say that's a problem for, for Flick to fix in post. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually think that being attracted to my ex is, is libel. I think that's probably fine. <laughs> um, so um, uh, this is this sort of brings me on to my next question. Um, did what, you, urinating? What? Uh, engagement with like fandom. So did you have a, like a, were you involved in Doctor Who fandom? Were you like, they're going, and this is, I'm talking pre-05 here. So pre-05 yeah. when it was cool to be in Doctor Who, were you like in, going to conventions or whatever or meetups? I never really, I, I, I've never, I, I, I frankly can't think of anything worse than being in a, in a, in a hotel conference centre surrounded by Doctor Who fans. Uh, so I've never, yeah, so, so, sorry girls. Um, I've, I've. Oh, I, no, I also couldn't. Couldn't. No, I couldn't mean, stick I mean, that yes, kind of environment. <laughs> but I've, I've, if they was like Do- Doctor Who fans, they ruined Doctor yeah. Who fans. Uh, uh, but I've, uh, no, I, I, I was on. Uh, so on Rec, I started on Rec Arts, which was uh, horrible. Um, and from there, was uh, someone said, "Hey, why don't you?" So, so I, I, I was on Rec Arts, which is a Usenet group, um, mm-hmm. uh, where and I would ask people what they thought of. The, <laughs> ask your parents. Yeah. Oh God, that's literally <laughs> true now, isn't it? Um, yeah. But but but, oh, but yeah. like I, I I would like try and start conversations about about stories I liked or the books and and people would uh, would would shit on them from a great height as is as is the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and eventually, um, John Blum, John Blum, uh, who's uh, one of the novelists, said, "Hey, did you know this 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 this." mailing list that's just all about the books which is uh, called the J Pagoda um so so um I went there and it was it was better for about six months and then it was exactly the hmm. same because that's what happens right. in every internet community there has ever been so uh, and realistically especially in documentaries yeah. I think so off um, the back of that me and some of my, my mates started their own private mailing list where we could kind of um, select uh, we could decide who was on there and again for about yeah. six months it was lovely um, and then it turned into then it degenerated into this. We, we did the same thing we started our own little PHPBB board and it lasted about a year before it imploded and we all fell out and stopped speaking to each other. 
Yeah, it's, I, I think it's so. I actually wrote a piece on this quite, uh, not not that long ago of realizing like this is now all internet culture. <laughs> this is like my experience yeah. in, in on Doctor Who fan boards in the early two thousands is the thing that is now screwing up the entirety of Western politics and civilization. Um, so in that in that sense, yeah. it was a good training ground. Um, but yeah, so I was I was yeah. I, I was sort of a bit involved in online fandom uh, and would go to the pub with people who became mates. Uh, some of some of whom uh, uh, one of my best friends is actually someone I met through through Doctor Who fandom. Um, so um, was there when the show was coming back? I actually don't know that much about this. Was there like rumours beforehand before like, the, uh, there was like a big announcement? Was there a feeling that there was something in the air and the show was going to return, or was it just like no, no one really expected it? So this is this is the weird thing is I cannot remember finding out it was coming back. Um, I think I was in, so there were a couple of phases where I kind of drifted away from, from it. Um, it was like maybe still on a mailing list or something, but I'd stopped reading the book. So it wasn't that big a deal at that. So I think it might have sure. just, I think the announcement was like September 03, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and I was, uh, I, I, I might have been on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, a, a trip or something, but, but I have no memory of it. And given what, uh, given that that had been a thing I would have been hoping for for most of my childhood, it is incredibly weird to me that I just have no memory whatsoever of, of, mm. of, of, of the announcement. Um, do, do, do you remember it, Flick? Yeah. Um, so I, I, throughout childhood, having seen various repeats and also the TV movie, I saw that when it went out on a tiny black and white TV on a caravan holiday in Lincoln, had gone on and on about how Doctor Who should come back. And my mum kept telling me it would never happen. And then one day my mum said to me, Doctor Who has come back. It's coming back. They've said it. And I thought she was talking about Scream of the Schalke, <laughs> and I would just sort of went, oh, it, it's it's an internet thing, and it, it doesn't, we, we can't even watch it properly on our internet connection, and it's crap. Um, and I can't remember when I realised that that wasn't what was being talked right, about. Right, right. But I know that the first time I was told it was coming back, I thought <laughs> that my mum had just got confused and meant Schalke. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I vaguely became aware of Scream of the I mean, I wasn't really aware of... <laughs> I have no memory of not knowing about Doctor Who, but I was sufficiently. I, I'm the youngest one of you, th- of you two, and of you two. I'm out of three of us. I'm the youngest, and so I was. Uh, you know, three. I guess I was eleven. So not that young. So not that young, but like young enough that I don't. I don't really remember much before that. If you see what I mean. Hmm. So I just don't have a context to place it in. Um, That's, um, that has come up a lot in discussions, that even though we're not that far apart in age, when discussing Doctor Who, for you, the revived series has kind of always already existed. Yes. Whereas for me, like I, I remember the wilderness years. Yeah, I have no... I was there. I, I remember the show kind of come being there i remember the first series of it being back it's not been an eternal staple as it is for sort of if you're a teen now and you're in doctor who that's probably quite rare but like if if you know if you're a young person now and you like doctor who there's never been a time where there wasn't like a lot of doctor who to watch that's current um so uh i think talking about the wilderness years uh and the return of doctor who is actually a pretty good segue to 
the events of 1985 and the, <laughs> you, the you, hiatus you, preceding you, you trial. You make it sound like it's... Oh, yes, the events of 1985, as we'll now, as we'll now explore in this three-hour well, right, ITV crime as I think drama. We're going to, right, as I think we're going to touch on, it, it has that... It's in, it, in Doctor Who fandom, it is like a an embedded in culture that, like those events they've made their mark and i'm trying not to make a really crass comparison here well i i I, it's actually interesting like i I mean i enjoyed watching an adventure in time and space uh the drama yet about the foundation of doctor who i would love um a tv show that was like the last years of doctor who that basically covers (laughs) yeah i don't know baker's tenure through to survival um, I don't. I, again, it might be a bit like tiptoe around the line, but uh, well, it basically be like Game of Thrones, but with more backstabbing. I imagine. Well, this is the thing. It's it's a genuinely dramatic story in which a lot of people, many of whom were larger than life uh, personalities, um, like engage in like what is in an objective sense I can recognise quite low stakes behaviour. Um, and I, I, yeah, there's just something really fascinating to that. I don't know. Um, so, a be- very basic question, first of all, but it is one that is endlessly debated. Uh, John, trial, good or bad? I think probably bad, but I like it because I saw it at a crucial age. Like I, did, I, I didn't see it at the time, um, but the box set came out when I was like 12 or something. Um, and I have a lot of, I have a lot of affection for it. And I kind of think it's one of those, it is, it is much, much less than the sum of its parts. Um, but I think I have a real soft spot for all the individual stories. It's only if you kind of sit back and start trying to put the pieces together, you think, Hey, wait a minute. This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> like why, 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 yeah. why has, why has the doctor in his, in the evidence for, for the defense offered some scenes of him committing genocide? Why has he done that? Yeah. Well, because... why, why, why has the Valiard in 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 the the case for the prosecution just casually chucked in some stuff about the massive corruption plot that Gallifrey is trying to disguise through this trial? None of it makes the slightest sense whatsoever. I, but, they, but they think all the the individual stories are actually stronger than than a lot of the than the sorry. I think the individual stories are stronger than the average uh, the previous year. And I think the you know, yeah. the, the regulars no longer seem to visibly loathe each other, which is which is an improvement. Um Well yeah, I mean I, I the the only Colin Baker I'd watched before this was um Time Lash. Oh god. Why would you do that? I didn't do it. It was my it was my idea. That was Oh I vaguely remember a thread on this. Flip, don't you like weirdly quite like Time Lash or something? Something. I do weirdly. I do weirdly What's quite like Time Lash. <laughs> I I think that but if I, you I, took I, away I, the I, final ten minutes of Time Lash, it would be looked back on so much more fondly. I, 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 I also quite enjoyed Time Lash, and I also famously didn't enjoy Genesis of the Daleks, which means I I, I have occasionally inched very close to the position that Time Lash is better than Genesis of the Daleks. Um, I, mean, I, I respect I, the iconoclasm. I think I think that's a yeah, good you're right. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a scalding hot take. Um, no, I I think, but 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 the thing I found. The hardest to watch in Time Lash was the um, portrayal of the. It's just a, it's an abusive 
horrible relationship that exists between the Doctor and the Companion that isn't like... It is, I think it is the... It's, it's not even interesting to watch in any sense. It's just unpleasant to watch. I think it is the single biggest, uh, the single stupidest creative decision in the show's 58-year uh, history at this point um, was to, to kind of regenerate the Doctor and then play him, play the new Doctor as as his companion's abusive boyfriend for the first episode. And like that is very quickly... You know, obviously that's that's meant to be kind of a momentary instability, and he's not meant to be like that even by the end of that story. But you shouldn't do that with your hero, let alone at the end of a season when that's the image that that, that the audience is going to be left with for the next year. Oh, of course, I always forget that the twin dilemma ended the season. So, so that's the version of the Doctor that everyone's writing for the next year. That 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 arc yeah. who you see in Twin Dilemma is 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 the thing that you know all the next year's writers have seen of Colin Baker's portrayal, and they are writing to that. It's I'd it, never thought about it. That. It's God. interesting if you compare to uh, the twelfth Doctor, who sort of has a similar enough arc of that kind of starting grumpy and getting more soft-hearted. But it's much better done. Um, but there's nothing like... There's but, I mean, people still... There are a lot of people who didn't like that with Capaldi either. No, that's true. Um, what, what did you think of that, John? That first Capaldi season where he is very spiky. I, I mean, I do think that's a bit of a misfire as well, in all honesty, um, because... But it, but in a slightly different way. I don't. I think Capaldi's brilliant. I don't think there's anything wrong with that portrayal of the Doctor. I think where they where Moffat kind of got it a bit wrong that year is I think if that's if that's the way you're going to play the Doctor, then the companion needs to be um, needs to be completely sympathetic. You need to be completely on board, with them. <laughs> yeah. and that's also the year they decide to play traveling with the Doctor as uh, as a metaphor for cheating on your partner. Um, so, so well, that, yeah, and and also have her literally betraying the Doctor at the start of the final yeah, two parts. I, I mean, I'm not. I I I, I really don't like <laughs> character Clara for all sorts of reasons. I mean, but but I do think that that's. I just think it's ill-conceived that season. I think like it's one of those. I mean, not actually that dissimilar to Troll. I think, you know, minute by minute, I think actually it's pretty high standard. I think there's some really great episodes in there. But I do think the whole thing doesn't quite cohere. And the ending leaves such a nasty taste in it. I mean, I think, I think the character of Danny is given such a horrible story. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, I, I think... Uh... Not, not unlike Trial being less than the sum of its parts... I think that a lot of the ideas on paper have a lot of promise. And then in the execution, it's done in this sort of boneheaded way where you're like, why would you take this idea and try and like deliver on it in this way? I, I think a lot of it... Um, I don't know. Um, it's interesting that Moffat course-corrected. Because I was, I was going to say something like, or maybe it was, you know, he'd got that, he just sort of run out of ability to write. But, you know, the later Capaldi series, are, are, and it's a shame because, of course, a lot less people saw them. I know I have lots of friends who sort of mm. had stopped watching the show by that yeah. point. Um, uh, but I think they're really good. I mean, which I think means. And of course, Sylvester McCoy suffered a similar sort of curse where right. so fewer people saw his era because Colin Baker's era had had switched so many people off. And I, we're both on, on relative digressions, big fans of Sylvester McCoy, probably my favourite Doctor. I, I love the Happiness Patrol. Um, so I find this reassuring uh, that, like, you know, when 
So when I was first kind of like uh, in, in, in online fandom, people hated McCoy. Um, and I think it's because because of the dominant generation in fandom at that point were people who are maybe 10 years older than me, you know, 70s Who fans, basically, who were really, really angry that this is the area that had got the show cancelled. Um, so I do find, like, I, I, I do think it's lovely sort of watching sort of younger people coming through and disco- um, discovering how great those stories are. It's um, interesting, like, so I got, I sort of got into fandom sort of between 2000 and 2005, like they say, I remember Scream of the Schalke, and if you're coming into fandom at that point, your landing spot is Outpost Gallifrey, and between then and now, I have definitely seen prevailing opinions shift an awful lot. Uh, like trial used to be just oh everyone thought it was the nadir of who and now it's quite quietly popular really that's interesting i i think um uh, it's it's funny how the distance gives you that kind of capacity to be the the anger i think that exists at at the show being cancelled and we'll talk in a little while about the way that that sort of specter is cast over cast still cast a long shadow of a fandom but the longer it's gone from that the more that i think people have critically re-evaluated those kind of stories and seasons that led up to the cancellation i think i think also mm. it's that um when in 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 the you know during the wilderness years uh, not only were the the dominant generation in fandom the people who'd been really into the, the 70s stuff but because you had you know uh, there was a, there was a, there was a beginning, middle, and end to the story of Doctor Who. So so like this standard narrative would have it that kind of the sixties was was the sort of proto stuff that was you know it wasn't quite formed yet. Then the seventies was the peak, and then in the eighties it was sort of all downhill from 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 the Ledger Hive onwards. And and I've always thought that's nonsense. Like, I think there's great there are, there are, there are great seasons and frankly terrible seasons in every in every decade. And you know I, yeah. I I I don't think there's ever a point. I don't think there's a single season of the old show, maybe fifteen. Um, but other than that, I don't think there's. I, I don't think it ever goes a year without at least one story. I think is is absolutely brilliant. But there are very few that get away without one that I also think is completely shocking. And this is this is this is half the fun of being a fan. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think it, um, there is something in the Doctor Who fan gene that you have to. You have to get an awful lot out of the fact that you can go from the highest highs to absolute rubbish, like week to week, completely unpredictable. Which is, is something I enjoy about doing this show with uh, Flick, is I am very much the companion of this Time Lord companion <laughs> relationship. I don't know where, know much about where we're going to go, because I haven't seen much classic Who. I certainly had seen, had seen barely any before we started doing this, this podcast. Um, and so when I opened the... TARDIS doors each week and or each month and watch the episode I have no idea quite what I'm going to get and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad and actually it's given me a much better appreciation I think of the show as like a holistic view of the show as a whole of the fact that I enjoy it when it's good and when it's bad or I don't enjoy it when it's bad but I do quite enjoy not enjoying it um <laughs> So, so like I've been. I, I, I didn't do this in my introduction. I should have probably have done it then. But like for the last, I think it's now two and a half years. I've been watching the entire series in order from the very beginning. Um, 
So did you start before lockdown, like before coronavirus? Yeah, then? yeah, I started in like March 2019, I think. Um, wow. I got... And I got I got stuck for about six weeks summer in the in the middle of the first Dalek story because because there's like three episodes in there where just nothing oh, yeah. happens. Um, we're going to walk around the lake, and then we're going to walk back around the lake, and then we're going to walk around the lake again. There's a bit where someone falls into the lake and screams. Uh, but that's all I that's all I really remember. I, I assume um, because there's a giant clam in there. Yes. Unseen. Uh, <laughs> um, actually, I don't think the clams. Do the clams put in an appearance? I can't remember. They no, but do. no, it's a, it's it's an octopus. Oh thing, yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. Lake, it's, 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 yeah, it's tentacles, isn't it? Um, but but yeah. because you you can't just if you're doing that. And I figured, like, I'm, I'm probably not going to do this again. I've been a fan for 30 years. This is, this is like my pilgrimage. This is the one time I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to try and go into every story, um, with, with an open mind and look for the good stuff. Um, and I think there are, there are more stories that have like pleasantly surprised me than ones that have really, really disappointed me, I think. But, but like the, the ones, the ones I've got angriest at are, are the ones with the, uh, it's not even the really bad ones because you know they're really bad. It's just like I think the one I got angry at was Planet of Fire, which I can remember nothing about. Oh, I quite like just Planet what is it for? None of it makes any well, sense. I, it, oh, it makes no sense at all. But I think <laughs> it's a rare attempt to do a story about a companion. Like it's quite a lot about Turlo. It's not. It, but the, I mean, it's also got Chameleon and Perry and the Master and a lot of. I like gum. the tiny. I like the tiny Ainley Master in a box. That's quite fun. <laughs> um, but it's yeah. I just remember being absolutely furious. Also, um, so so Christmas Day last year, um, I had suspected COVID. So, so rather than going back to my mum's and my 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 partners with friends, so I spent Christmas Day on my own. Um, my kind of treat, <sighs> my treat for Christmas Day, was was to um, sort of live live WhatsApp each other while watching Warriors of the Deep with another friend of mine who was spending Christmas alone. <laughs> nice. So that was yeah, that was my sort of festive nice. special. So um, So I I I I might be making a, a trend here, but I also really quite like Warriors of the Deep. Is it possible you just have really bad taste? Uh well It is. It definitely <laughs> is. I I mean I mean uh Flick, like you do you quite I'm trying to remember how do you actually feel about the most recent M Night Shyamalan film. Oh, I, I mean, M Night Shyamalan films are terrible, but that doesn't mean they're not enjoyable. Right, yes, okay. Whereas I think Warriors of the Deep actually, right. like, I think the script for Warriors of the Deep is really good. It's just let down by the production. Right. No, I, I mean, the production is is, is terrible. So I agree. With, I half agree with you. It is one of the worst productions in that era. Oh, well, which Doctor is it? Davison. Right. It's it's a seat. It's got the sea it's a devils. sequel to both the the Silurians and the Sea Devils. None of neither of which are in any way explained. There's not kind of like <laughs> we, the, there's not kind of a, a the first cliffhanger is not the kind of reveal of the monsters because we've been watching them plotting as if as if we're meant to know who they are twelve years after they last appeared. It makes right. it makes no sense. It's just so badly thought through. Uh, there's a bit. And the production is ghastly. There's a bit where people are literally standing against a wall waiting to be electrocuted. Um, there is there is quite a good the bit production where is completely irredeemable. Some, some high kicks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, On a pantomime That's horse. quite funny. Um, uh, there's, there's, there's also a bit where like the Doctor falls in some water and Turlo goes, right, he's dead. Sod this. Just instantly. <laughs> Moot. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, fine. Yeah, just like I love Turlo. I love Turlo. Actually, this is this is my most revisionist Doctor Who opinion. Is I think Adric is good. I you you are correct. This is a correct opinion. Um, I have enjoyed <laughs> Adric so far. Uh, we watched Earthshock, which I didn't. I didn't think I loved. It was okay. Um, it's very Flick bleak. Doesn't like it. I think. I think actually, it's uh, one of those stories that's I, weirdly I, influential. I, like you can see, like a lot of the sort of Moffat Space Marine stuff is clearly yeah. ripping off Earthshock. It's, it's, it had a massive impact. I, I'm on record as thinking that as a story, it's rubbish, but it had a big impact. Um, <laughs> was that deliberately a joke? I can't. Uh, Oh no, it wasn't. Oh, God, uh, I don't yeah. really that was. Okay. That, that, that's I do these things without even trying. Uh, yes, anyway. Um, I feel like we're, we're, I've, we're not really talking about that. We said we were going to talk about the hiatus and we managed to talk about basically everything. Well, yeah, well, I, I, because, so because it's so, topical I, 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 and it's... I want to I wanna drill to... I just want to ask before, while we're still evaluating Doctor Who, of trial... And then we'll go back to the haters. Um, which is your favourite trial episode? I I think Mind Orb is probably the best one. I think this is an objectively wrong opinion. Yeah, I, I right remember we've had this conversation, but I, I, yes, I, yes. I, I think I think Verboids is probably the. It, in some ways, I so think it's the best the, one. It's interesting. I between before every podcast episode, I go on to the forums, although. Renner has pointed out to me that I'm I'm a bit behind the times here. That that's really not where modern fandom lives. But but I I, I barely understand Twitter. I've got to be honest. Um, so I go on the forums and I I solicit some of the opinions from forum users to include in the show. And there is a very pronounced split on trial of mind warp is good, vervoids and mysterious planet are bad, or mind. Mind warp is bad. Vervoids and mysterious planet are good, and it and it it really divides. I mean, nobody really likes the ultimate foe, but it really divides, like very cleanly down the middle. I suppose. I mean, to the extent it might just be a taste thing. Like mind warp is doing something. I think mind warp is is the only one that really makes any attempt to kind of play with the format, like the actual trial format, yeah. the sort of unreliable narrator thing. And I think it's. I think I mean it's 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 this is the best production, but it's the ending is horrible and it does kind of continue the kind of you know two and a half year arc of like let's torture Perry for a laugh. Well, also I, so, I found Sill just very hard to watch. So, so, so this is I think Sill sort of sums up that like Mind Warp is actually doing what it wants to do quite well, but what it's doing is unpleasant. So. Because it's trying to be season twenty-two and succeeding. Yes, yes. I mean, we we, we talked a lot about this when we were talking about trial. I shan't rehash it all here, but it, it is successfully evoking what Doctor Who was the previous series season, and that's it's the show doing a pastiche of it's literally its last season, and that is a fascinating thing. I just didn't enjoy it. Um, I was going to say, do you, do you know about the? Did you know? Uh, do, you, do you know much about the genesis of episode fourteen, and and the actual production? Yeah, like the fact that so so Holmes died halfway through 
the script. Yeah. Uh, then, then Saywood tried to finish it. They didn't want to use his version. He storms off the show. And, and Saywood wasn't allowed to look. Oh, sorry, yeah, that's, no. that's no, yeah. And Jane Baker had to do their version in like a week and a half or something okay. without but, looking at the. The, the original plan for it, which it's like Do- Doctor Who consequences. Yeah, which I do. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of um, the guys who reverse engineered the IBM and had to prove that they'd never looked at the IBM specs. <laughs> right, right, that might be a deep cut reference. It is, yeah, um, it's like the pantomime version of that. <laughs> it's like um, that, 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 but with more like inexplicable Victorian references. Like, I, th- um, I think you can make a case that actually, you know, because moment by moment, it's kind of fine if you don't think about it. It's like, like oh yeah, you shouldn't. There's, there's some nice. You shouldn't think too much about trial yeah, because it it doesn't make any sense. But I I maintain that see, it's neither bad nor good. But in fact, transcends such transcendent. <laughs> yeah, you see, I drew a lot of parallels between what it was doing and the Deadly Assassin, which is regarded as a classic. But episode three of the Deadly Assassin is just nonsense. Oh, it's great! What are you talking about? As well, <laughs> it's, it, it, I, 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 I think it, that. I think that the the Matrix business in the <laughs> Ultimate Foe has more plot meaning than Episode Three of Deadly Assassin. I mean, it's, but it's like it's it's like I said, it's Hinchcliffe. The whole Hinchcliffe era. If you're looking for meaning, you're looking at the wrong bit. None of those stories are about anything. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just yeah. I'm off on one about the crocodile again. <laughs> I, 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 it, lives, it just lives in it, my head. Yeah, it lives in my head rent free. Um, so, um. I think we covered kind of the highs and lows of, of where the classic <laughs> show was. Um, but, I mean, it's interesting that as we were recording our, our trial episodes, uh, we learnt that there's going to be a... The new series is going to be a, an eight-part or a six-part or a two-part story or whatever it is. But yeah, it seems time, to keep losing episodes keep losing every time episodes, they do a press release. It's some sort of like all season, all the season is one narrative sort of endeavour. And so the obvious parallels exist to trial. And of course, there are these anxieties, these whispers on the wind that the show could do with a rest or might be cancelled or, you know, that we might be heading to the second wilderness years. It's been a year and a half as we talk since the last episode. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, objectively, like, there has been. No, no I mean, there was, was no, there was New Year's Day. There was no New Year's Day. You're forgetting. Uh... <sighs> oh, there you, was. You, yes, I completely <laughs> forgot. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't bode well, does it? I, <laughs> what's worse is that I specifically went. Hang on, was there a special? No, there wasn't a special <laughs> this year in my head. Chip chipnol.txt. The first question, John, is how do you how do you feel about the, where the show is right now? The quality um, of Doctor Who that's currently being put out. How do you feel about it? I I um, am a great supporter of Chris Chibnall's decision to leave the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a very different. <laughs> uh, you're great. I'm grateful to Chris Chibnall's I mean, decision to leave. I, I do. Th- <laughs> I do think there's a structural problem that, like you know, the show had you know, the revived show had two of the best 
TV writers of their generation who also happen to be massive uh, Doctor Who nerds running the show for, for what was it, 13 years, um, back to back. And that's, you know, that's a long, that's a long old period. And so whoever, whoever took over after Moffat was, was extremely unlikely to be as good as Davis or Moffat. I mean, I mean Chib- Chib- Chibnall is a good TV writer who is a is big fan the, of the show. Is he, he's, I've got to say, I've never actually watched Broadchurch, but I wonder if it's, isn't it meant to be good? I don't people know. talk about Broadchurch in very like highfalutin tones, but people talked about Line of Duty like that, and I watched Line of Duty, and it was. Oh, I, not, I, I mean, I, 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 I like Line of Duty. Uh, Broadchurch is not. Broadchurch managed to be both um, good and innovative, but sadly not the same time. Um, the season when he tried. Well, that does sound like a qualification yeah, to make Doctor a, Who. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that, that actually sounds like Chibnall Who, uh, in that Chibnall Who has indeed been good and innovative, but very rarely at the same time. The thing is, it's actually, this year has actually been better. I, I was so expecting it to be so completely awful. I was expecting to just hate hate it until he, until he goes. Now, you know, I do have friends uh, for whom that's very much their position, but... And, and, you know, people, people do, you know, mates of mine will look at his episodes and be really angry. They can see how, like, you know, if it, if he just redrafted slightly, there'll be a much better story there. Um, and, you know, all this is true. But considering that, I've been pleasantly surprised by how many episodes I have really enjoyed, including some of the ones that I suspect are objectively quite bad, like the, 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 the spiders one. Um. Oh, I don't like, they, the, the, like the thing I love about that is just Chris Noff uh, playing, you know, Mr. Big slash Peter Florek, that character he always plays and has done for years. It, it's very, very sort of classic, way. classic Doctor Who. So he's sending himself beats. up. I just, I just really enjoyed that. The bit, you know, the bit where he's kind of cowering on the bathroom floor because a giant spider's just eating his bodyguard. You know, you don't, you don't get that on other shows. So. It, it's, it's true. It's true, and I—I I mean, I—I we, we are broadly, I think, on record as enjoying the content of the Timeless Child. Not—not uh, not necessarily the delivery of the Timeless Children. Yeah, the delivery—the delivery is basically just lots of info dumps. It's, but 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 the concept. I just don't good. understand why it ever seemed like a good idea to kind of like film a, a canon debate from Rekard's Doctor Who in about 1998 and, and show it on BBC One as the season finale. Like, I don't... I don't <laughs> it, 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 I, literally I just in a white void. My mind is the fact that they're literally in a featureless void having a debate about canon. Yeah. And he's just gone, okay, okay. I finally got control of the... This is the reason you know Shipner is definitely a fan of the show. And literally he's like, right, okay. He has now. He has literally become. Are the Morbius Doctor's canon? I have the power. <laughs> he has literally become a successful TV writer purely to win an argument he once had about the Morbius Doctors. That has literally right, exactly, been his yeah. entire career. Leading up to With this point. vial of canon held yeah. in my hand. I mean, he, he, he's very much in the tradition of JNT at that point. Who who sort of the 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 longer he went and the more powerful he grew, the more no one could just stop him doing whatever ridiculous thing. He I came think JNT is much maligned. I think like firstly he was very rarely the main creative force in the show. He left a lot of actual script editors. Secondly, he was stuck doing yeah. it for about three times as long as he wanted to. Secondly, like he did some he oversaw some incredibly good seasons. Yeah, no, I actually um I think He's comparable to Russell T. Davis in a lot of ways. Not not just the fact that they have three initial names with a T in the middle. 
Um, but, Gen- oh, Gen- 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 I can't. Yeah, yeah never, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that actually he is he is comparable to Russell T Davies in in that um, he kind of even if he didn't particularly want to or enjoy it, he did understand how to do the business and get. You know, he he was great at gaming the sort of Radio Times marketing and oh, hiding yeah, you could see J and T like shopping that Doctor Who fruits. proper producer shit. Like you know, like if J and if they had fruits in 1982, J and T would have sold Doctor Who fruits. You know, so this and now we've got. What do we know about the upcoming season? We know that there's a Liverpudlian. Painter and decorator. Uh, and that's we, yeah. we know that there is uh, someone who is definitely not a last-minute replacement for John Barrowman, who is unavailable for undisclosed yeah. reasons these days. <laughs> he, he died on the way back to his home plot. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, there's... Uh, oh, they've announced a couple of the characters, some of the characters who are in it, but there's no... They've announced the characters, but literally just a name and a photo and then, like, a complete lockdown on anything So, actually, I do think this is... I think Chris Chibnall was not a great writer. I think he's had some interesting ideas for the show. I think he's... He's clearly tried to sort of push it in some some new directions and sort of and connect with like like, like the, the, I can't remember the names of any of the bloody episodes these days, but the, the mental health one clearly connected with people. Um, you know, it, 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 it's not for me, but there are clearly people for whom this was important. And you know, fair play, that's great. I'm trying to think which um, one you mean. Uh, the one with the the one with the floaty fingers. Yeah. Uh, can, oh, yes. uh, can you hear me? Um, it's. So you can tell that I'm primarily a Doctor Who canon nerd because I think of that as the one with the Eternal. <laughs> it's the one like, with the North oh, yes, cartoon, the one but... in the Eternal. But like, I think so. Like, leave, but leaving aside I, all I, the creative I feel, stuff, I feel, I feel like I feel like we've over to the three faces of Doctor Who fans now. The mental health one. You mean the one with the flying fingers? <laughs> yes, the Eternals one. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't understand. He doesn't want to do the job. Like part of the job is representing the no, show. I don't and think he does. Like you know, you know, putting out strategically putting out spoilers for publicity reasons is is actually part of the gig. And he just clearly doesn't want to do that part. Like it's yeah. it's so locked down that people didn't even realise the show was back because <laughs> there was yeah. so little buzz around it. I don't I, I don't get it. Like I don't get why you would why you would take uh, this I, job. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think because it's we need to stop hiring people who are who are like massive fans of the show. I mean, they, they shouldn't hate the show clearly, but like, I don't think a necessary component to make a good showrunner is to have been a bosom fan of the show since the year dot. And in some ways, I think it can leave you more resistant to seeing the issues with how you're doing things. I mean, clearly, of course, right. like the three showrunners we've had on the way back have have all been big fans of the show. But like all broadly of the same generation uh, as well. They're all white. They're all white British right. men. It, 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 it probably needed it in two thousand and five. Yeah, um, and uh, and RTD was perfect. For I think girl. it's notable that there isn't really a clear successor to Chibnall, and indeed they haven't announced any sort of successor. And there's no like, oh well, it'll obviously be X. Whereas Moffat was yeah. the obvious choice, and I think it was announced quite soon after RTD was leaving. Um, and I think Chibnall was not dissimilar, right? He was definitely. Yeah, he he was well spent. Also, they they, they they announced Moffat's departure and Chibnall's arrival in the same press release. Right, um, exactly, I remember yeah. being which pub I was in at the time. So, <laughs> the thing about Chibnall is that you get the impression that he took it because for him, you don't say no to being offered Doctor Who, rather than because it was a job he wanted, and 
that's not actually the kind of person it needs. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, I, I, I think we should have someone who has a vision for what they want the show to be. And it doesn't matter if that vision isn't ultimately one I don't like. I think someone who's like, this is what I want the show to be and who can make do the best of that and promote it well, make it good. Then and and I think I don't mind so much if the current iteration of the show. I, I think I, when we started this podcast, I was very much of that. What I regard now as a wrong view that maybe the show does need a rest. I no longer feel like this uh, because I am worried it would never come back, and it, it would, and fundamentally would never come back the same. But I think the virtue, of the one of the beauties of the show is that it, it just continue. If it just it keeps continue going and it, it keeps changing, it keeps changing its form. Yeah, um, one um, of the things that is that that becomes very clear if you do uh, waste three years of your life watching the entirety of Doctor Who. In all, I'm still not finished, by the way. I'm only up to the Stolen Earth. I've still got like eight, yeah, eight I seasons like, I, to go. Um, but but but, like, but what, you 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 you, you stopped at the end of the classic series. Then it's only recently you've gone and picked up I, with the I, new. Hint. I I stopped briefly um and i i reread some some new adventures and uh, listened to a couple of people just to kind of like did some nice. sort of key texts from the wilderness um yeah but, but one, one did, of the did things you, that did you listen to doctor I, in I distress not listened to, although like since since, since since you since it was mentioned when we were sort of talking about doing this podcast, I've had it stuck in my head for three days. Doctor so thank in you. distress. Oh, thank you both for ruining uh, my Smith life. Him answer your um, SOS. Um, Doctor in distress. That that's yeah. enough. That's but, quite but, enough. But, sorry, the, the point I was kind of going the long way round to earlier was like, if you do watch it all in order, you do see the number of times how like. It does kind of like uh, what's what's renew in office. I think is the political term. Re- 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 regenerate. There's a word. Yes. Oh, regenerate. Yeah. But like, but like, cool. there's, there's there's a few times where suddenly like it's one season will be just a lot better than the previous one, and generally that's yep. because a new creative team has arrived. I don't think the problem is the Doctor Who has run out of steam. I think the problem is that Chris Chibnall is not a great writer, and it needs somebody new. I don't think it's more complicated than that. Yeah. It's um the 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 biggest one for me is the jump from the end of Troughton to the start of Pertwee, where the whole show feels rebooted. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, actually, that's so. That's that's the sort of standard wisdom. That's how I'd always sort of read it too. But but you do watch it back to back. Actually, there's there's less distance between season six and seven than I thought there was. Like, there's a couple of season stories in season six that do look like those kind of. Um, so mm. there is obviously a unit story in there in the invasion, but also like seeds of death. Seeds yeah, the of death wouldn't be that much right to be a Pertwee. Um, uh, and a lot of season seven is still based under sieges with twists. It's you know it's it's not that radical a shift. It's just that I think I think the fact that the the entire cast and creative team change at the same time and they switch from black and white to color means it it looks like yeah. a much bigger jump than it is. I don't actually think it's necessarily a bigger jump than I don't know seventeen to eighteen. When did the, when did the show mm. switch to HD? Voyage of the Damned. Voyage of the Damned. Yes, they because they used Voyage of the Damned also to advertise iPlayer, and it was you can stream Voyage of the Damned in HD on the internet, and it was all these things at once, and it was a big deal. Huh. And I'm always surprised how recent that is relatively. Yeah, I, it's a thing I notice when I'm watching. That's 14 um, years ago. I, I don't know. I don't mean to upset you, but that's really not that recent. I'm always surprised how recent it is. <laughs> Boy, did the damn thing never fourteen years? Oh, oh, oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh, god. Wow. <laughs> 
good. There's something like, something we were kind of talking about before we started that I find interesting is is this kind mm-hmm. of it's almost like a sort of race memory that people who weren't born during during the last cancellation are are, are apparently convinced that the show is going to get cancelled any minute. Yes. Right, right, exactly. There is this, and and I, it, it's this. I think it's because we realise that Doctor Who is basically an impossible dream. Like the show shouldn't objectively exist. Like there's no. It's like that that thing about the bee shouldn't be able to fly. Right. Like, like how has the show survived when other shows have been have have risen and fallen. And, and and come and gone and and, and f- added to different levels of obscurity. And also, the shows that do still run and run and run tend to be very samey and formulaic, right? And like and and become more so over time. Whereas I don't think Doctor Who has really ever, you know, because as soon as it starts to become kind of a, a parody of itself, it then morphs into something else. So I, I think there's this anxiety in fandom with that kind of past trauma or, or received trauma of the show was lost once and no one really understands why it was lost or rather we understand why it's lost we don't understand why then it came back you know it's just and and so there's this feeling like oh and that's why i think you have people go oh well i need to have a rest because they sort of feel like whatever happened before could happen again but actually the thing is i don't think anyone understands that alchemy that suddenly things could shift at the bbc and someone suddenly goes well, I, I mean, basically, all it takes is for BBC Worldwide to stop selling it, and suddenly the show dies, right? Like, as- you see, this is the thing. You started out as a person who was like, you know, maybe if the show was off air for a little bit, it could come back and be all new and refreshed. And as I've introduced you to the classic series and turned you into a proper old school Doctor right, Who I've, fan, I, you have gained that. I've gained it. You've gained, gained the anxiety yes, exactly. that we all share. Right, because I appreciate now this 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 thing that is Doctor <laughs> Who. Um, I really don't have this. Which is no? Do you, which do, is do weird. you not? Fascinating. Um, like I don't. I mean, firstly, I really don't think this. I, I am not worried at all about the BBC's announcement. They said, like, we're going to announce a new, a new lead writer and new, a new doctrine. They're not going to, they wouldn't bother doing that if it was a cancellation. It's just they, they haven't finalized the plans yet, but there are clearly plans. Um, but, but I, what the thing I've never quite got over is I spent most of my teenage years being quietly obsessed with this, this nerd text that people didn't really know about then because it was off air. And also this was before, you know, this was before like the MCU or anything. This was before every, literally everyone was a nerd. Yeah. This was, this was my secret shame, basically. Um, and then suddenly, um, one night when I was about 24, it came back and became the biggest thing on television for the next eight years or something. And do you have any idea how weird that is? Like, like I it's, <laughs> right. it's a bit Truman show. It's like, has this entire world somehow been created for me? <laughs> So maybe it's maybe the fact I don't really worry about cancellation is 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 related to that that I just yeah. Well, also also as we discussed, you caused it by starting to watch the show. So so um, maybe okay, maybe I'm like the Ravens at the Tower. Maybe if I ever stop watching Doctor Who, then then Doctor Who is doomed. Right, but right. It- <laughs> it's 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 going to be like Speed uh, or, or something like that. Or, or, or you know, we have to keep what you watching Doctor Who, else else the show dies. Even if that means like keeping you like locked in a room like twenty. Seven watching it just to kind of just to eke out one more episode. Um, I've definitely gone through the cancellation anxiety period. Like there was definitely a period where I was like 
oh, it's it, they won't, you know, the anniversary will come and go, and then they won't keep it around. And I was, and now I've just kind of moved on to a. It might, you know, it might get cancelled, or it might sort of become this thing that is irregularly made and doesn't have a fixed yearly schedule, or it might do a 23 episode I don't think it's going to do a 23 episode season but you know but it's it's not going to stop being and I've kind of just made peace with the idea that Doctor Who is just embedded into the universe now if you want Doctor Who you're going to be able to find some Doctor Who I, I, I mean also the other thing to think about is it's now been what 16 and a half years since the show came back it's yeah. I think at this point it is Entirely plausible that the new run outlasts the old one. Like, not in terms of yeah, the number of I seasons, mean, but in terms of the, the, the amount of time it's on air. Physical time. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I think that is not unlikely, actually. Um, I do think the one, it's not an anxiety per se, the one thing that actually more than the content of the show sort of concerns me about the way it's going at the moment is the way that the schedule has become very patchy and sporadic. Yeah, that is that is the thing I felt. And that, that started even before Chibnall, actually. But, like, I... The feeling of, like, it, it's Doctor Who season and it's the time of... And, and the, the time of the week when we watch Doctor Who and that's... A, and that feels... And there's a good amount of Doctor Who to watch for, you know, that, that as it was in sort of the um, peak phase of RTD, you know, that... I, that is something I really miss, actually. Um, but part of it, of course, is the, the the weird thing is that TV is changing. Um, yeah. You know, people don't consume... Like... It is a bit of a relic. It's weird. There aren't loads of, like... You know, I'm thinking, oh, I want a th- another 13-episode season. I struggle to think of dramas that do that, like, 13 episodes... Do you know it's like that's 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 sort of a weird length now. I've been watching Vigil recently, which is the oh, sort of submarine nonsense. Great. Oh, it's it's good. Um, I, I I've been saving it up. So okay, so no, no, no spoilers. So but like, John, would you agree that it's very compelling, but ultimately complete nonsense? Of course, but it's it's brilliant. I love it. It's yeah, right, exactly. Um, but that is six episodes, right? And it's six episodes feels really right for that. And that's what Line of Duty was, which it's very, it very much is like it's Line of Duty in a submarine. Um, <laughs> and, and like, that was broadly what I understood of the pitch and it's exactly what I got. And I loved it. Um, I think the, and it's, you know, there was, uh, what's it called? Children of Earth. The, is it mm. the Children of Earth? The Torchwood. Yeah. Yeah, Children of Earth. And that that it that was weird because there weren't loads of shows doing that kind of mini series format at the time. I mean, it wasn't uncommon, but it was you know, but now that is the model of TV. Much more than thirteen episodes once but a I week. I think yeah. Doctor Who's still slightly fallen down the cracks yet. I can, I can definitely see an argument for you know, just for, they were doing fourteen episodes a year. That may be that may just not be doable without radically changing the way the BBC does everything. But I don't quite understand why they haven't kind of settled on, okay, eight episodes is fine, but it's got to be an annual schedule. Yeah, I mean, like like I said earlier, it does seem like every time a press release comes out at the moment, the episode count got shorter than the last time. Right, and that's sort of an indication, I think, of like um, them messing around with 
Like, if, 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 and if I don't think like it means that they want to kill the show. episodes that have commissioned. I don't think those have actually been cut, but they keep shuffling around yeah. when those commissioned episodes are going to actualize into episodes. And that isn't. And I don't think it means that they've they want to kill the show because, as we've heard, they specifically approached Chibnall and said that they wanted an episode for the BBC centennial yeah. celebrations. But- so they've got confidence in it. Also, That's not I mean, the, I, 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 what's happening? There has been the, the tiny matter of a, of a global pandemic, which has meant it's not. It I think that that is probably true. a factor it's in true. terms of. I do, I do find it quite funny that, like, in terms of you know the gap between first episode and last, I think Jodie's going to be the longest serving Doctor since per, uh, since <laughs> yes. since, uh, since well, Tom, I suppose. Yeah, McCoy, if you want to be a real, real dick about it. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, like, she's, she's had fewer episodes than any other modern doctor except Episton. It's been really spread excited. over a really long time. I'm really excited. I have to say, uh, I hope they get they get her at some point for her big finish, uh, sort of post life, because um, I think in the hands of kind of uh, interesting producers or writers. Uh, she could do some really great stuff. Stuff that Big I- Finish have this one writer who is, you know, absolute handle on character, dialogue, theme, really understands the show and could go in and flesh out. <laughs> I, I just let's, let's call her Belisha Farker. Um... <laughs> um, right. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I that kind of actually. So, in a sense, that sets up my a question that I've been wanting to ask, which is if it did go away, if Doctor Who went away and wasn't on the TV anymore and like the wilderness years though, it still had this life in other media and other forms, but the TV show was gone. How sad would you be? I would be sad. So like one thing about having, having lived through the wilderness years the first time is like the two and, and something I was thinking about when I was kind of, you know, in that bit, in that bit of my, my, my odyssey, going through like new adventures and a couple of big finishes and, and, you know, and Schalke and all these other things. The, 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 the wilderness years before and after the TV movie do have very different characteristics. Like one of the reasons why I did have an irrational, uh, dislike of, of big finish for a long time, which I'm, which I'm mostly over now. Um, was because that was the moment when, when everything splintered, basically. Like, in, in, in mm. the sort of first, the first interregnum, as it were, like, the new adventures were the, were the dominant strand. And, you know, there were people who didn't like them, there were people who didn't follow them, but they were, they were the thing that you were specifically not following. There was kind of like a focus. And, yeah. Uh, after 96, but especially after 99, that just goes. And there's like there's a there's a bunch of attempted relaunches which which seem to take as read that like the key the, the problem with Doctor Who is all that Doctor Who stuff. So if we kind of do Doctor Who stories but mm-hmm. pretend they're not Doctor Who stories, then then that's the way of doing it. But there's also this just like multiple like there was a point where there was about six or seven different Doctor Who lines going at the same time. I think at the moment there's probably about yeah, 30. but that but that matters less. Now, right, because the, when that's, that's the embarrassment of riches, but but like it means there's no this this would be my concern if there was another sort of wilderness years. It's like there's no kind of like unifying thread that kind of holds fandom together. No, and and, and it, let, let's say the worst happened. Uh, that is to say, they did not. They it ultimately decided not to replace 
the, 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 we see no more doctors on TV for the time being. So there isn't a replacement for Jodie. Um, Justice for Joe Martin. I mean, well, sure, but but she wouldn't, you know, like like. Uh, but we don't see Joe Martin either. You know that that's it for the show for now. Um, I mean, basically, what would happen is that immediately the fandom would fracture into at least two. One side being the hashtag not my doctor grognard terror people, um, and the other side being a, a, a almost like aggressively pro Jody stance. Even to the extent of like not critically follow back pro Jody, say follow back pro, even not engaging critically with why people might, you know, like 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 almost, I feel like it would start to like not accept any flaws with Jody's era as a resistance to it, and you already kind of see that a bit at times. But yeah, I, I, so we'd have a big fandom war about who was to blame for the cancellation, right? And, and in exactly the manner that. <laughs> That the classic series had. Yes, exactly. And I think um, I think the big difference, though, is uh, fandom is a lot bigger and a lot more online because there is an online to there's more much more of an online to be on. Um, and I think and it would just. It's interesting that what 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 could jo- happen? John an- John's answer to the question was much more like my sort of thinking, whereas your answer to the question of like. <laughs> how would you feel if Doctor Who went off the air wasn't to think about Doctor Who itself, but to think about what that would do to the discourse. Right. Because I am Twitter poor, completely Twitter poisoned. <laughs> um, oh, cool. But I, 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 I think the, I, I think I, I would be really afraid that, that what you would happen is a uh, Pope anti-Pope situation, that, which is to say... If a Pope um, and an anti-Pope ever spl- come into contact, it would destroy the space-time right, right, continuum. Right. But not only is there yeah. a splintering, but, like, at least two... Okay, so sure, there'll be lots of, like, dubiously canon sources, but, like, at least two things spring up that claim to be the canon. And... They are mutually they become mutually incompatible and diverge, so that any future revival of the show needs to work out how to unify well, this them. Ha- for a while, there was this question over whether Paul McGann was a real Doctor, and that wasn't resolved until a few years into the revival. Right, because they left it ambiguous up until uh, Human Nature. Yeah. God, you really do remember all the details, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. It, the, the first the first acknowledgement of Paul McGann yes, is um, drawing, uh, pen pen doodle in the but journal. The, the, yeah. the other reason I would worry about so so like one of the ways in which the first sort of wilderness years was was interesting is there is this kind of like explosion of like of, of fan written stuff that there hasn't been a venue for before. I mean, I don't know if you we've kind of mentioned the new adventures a couple of times, but like if like something like time, Paul Cornell's timeline revelation was was mental it was like amazing like yeah. how 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 much that moved the idea of the show forward in like one quite slim book um I, I i actually haven't read it read many of the vnas and it's a big goal for me to do so uh to at least read a selection of them because i am really interested to, to I, I just think they're a completely missing piece of my doctor who sense oh well if um, they do feel if like only um, you knew someone who might have pdfs of them hiding around the place <clears throat> yes yeah. uh but, but sorry, to, to finish they, the thought, though, like that, there was in, in the early 90s, there was that kind of like explosion of like input from fans. We're not going to get that again because that already exists. 
people are already doing yeah. that stuff. So I don't think there's going to be this kind of like, you know, this sudden burst of creativity kind of like so to, testing stories out for, for the next revival, which is kind of what the first one this year's were. It, it would be very different in tone. I, do, I don't know what that means in practice, but it does mean I can't really see the sort of upside of cancelling Doctor Who. It would just mean there's no TV Doctor Who anymore. It was actually um, one of the things that I liked about what Chibnall has done especially the Ascension of the Cyberman Timeless Child stuff, is that I did, he did find a way to a sort of jaded fan like me who kind of felt like Doctor Who can now just do anything and it, it it's sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, I mean, that's Doctor Who. That he did, he did manage to find angles to come at it that still made me go, oh, Doctor Who can do that now. What's an example for you? Um, well, I, I felt like I, it's a bit of an intangible. It's hard to explain why that and not previous stories, but it felt like after the end of the last season, I was less confident in what a future season would look like than I had previously been, That that he could bring it back and you know or, or we, as much as we say Doctor Who can do anything we still kind of believe that there are these sort of baked in rules and I think Chibnall is the first person who's really made me think oh he won't follow those rules unless he thinks that they have a purpose so it, not just stuff, not big, not all just big stuff, canony stuff like Timeless Child, but something like Demons of the Punjab felt to me like, oh, I didn't necessarily realise that Doctor Who could do an episode yeah, quite I like that. Yeah, I love that, that one. Oh, on, on that subject, that kind of subject, you mean? Well, I mean, we've had pseudo-historicals, um, and we've had stories where the again it's an intangible thing. We've had pseudo historicals. We've had stories where it turns out the aliens aren't the baddies. We've had examinations of a character's ancestors, but taken as a package, demons of the Punjab felt like making an episode of Doctor Who that wasn't hidebound to any rules about how you make that kind of episode. Otherwise, it would have felt different. Right. It just. He just went ahead and made the episode. Um, and that, that's what I like about Chibnall, is that he he does feel like he'll keep what he thinks works, and there's a question about whether his decision-making in that area is very good, but he won't keep a thing just because that's what you keep. Yes, and I think that's a good instinct in general to have, I should say. Like, like um, I think... Um... I think people who can understand that you don't have you, that you can kill your sacred cows. Um, I, I was specifically uh, trying that, to yeah, avoid yeah, that. That, that, that. Yes, that might be a yeah. First, in the context, avoid that one. Of demons of the punch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone who I, I, I think someone who can um, realize that like the things that you uh, are just done are not things you have to do. Um, uh, that's really great, um, and I hope that the next showrunner. I really hope that the next showrunner isn't someone who feels that they just need to go back to what everyone expects the show to be, because then I think it could get really bad. Actually, I think I think I think the react if the 
I mean, that's I suppose my next question, which is, is, is who do you think should be, who should be the next Doctor? Right, that's, I, I was and, about and, to say and, the same and, thing. And also, of course, who should run the show? Because we're, we're sort of, we're approaching the hour and a half yeah. back, so I think it's a good time <laughs> for some summing up questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, uh, what, the what's next? Who, who's you, you, John? I'm. I think you're a big fan of Joe Martin. You'd be. You'd be quite keen to see a Joe, Joe I, Martin I, as main, the mainline every week Doctor. I want. I want to see how that works. And I think, like, I, I, I found the some of the some of the the press coverage from like you know from people in the states who are like you know holy shit they've just cast a black woman as Doctor Who. That clearly meant a lot to people. I would like, I would like to to see more of her. I do, I do have a theory that like Chibnall heard. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard David Tennant's podcast, but he did one with Whoopi Goldberg, where she talked about how she'd love to play Doctor Who. I did kind of think, is that was that yeah. the genesis of that idea? Maybe I don't know, or is that just am I a racist? I don't know. Um, but but they did yeah I, I I think it would be a wasted opportunity not to not to give us more of a. I feel very strongly that. I would want it to be another woman because otherwise it would look like it was a mistake. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, there is a sense in which um, if they double, if they double down and hire not just a woman but like the first non-white yeah. mainline doctor, that <laughs> will be that will be a statement in and of itself to the people who yeah. basically complain about Doctor Who being too woke. Like it will be, it will be saying, yes, we are opting into the culture war, and this is the side that we're on, um, and that I, I'm quite pro that um I, what do you think Flip? um i can't quite it's not that i'm not intrigued by the idea i can't quite wrap my head around what making joe martin the main doctor would look like in a working sort of a working way especially because one of the small details that Chibnall introduces that I think makes Joe Martin's appearance interesting is that she like she totes a big gun, so she's fundamentally different to what the Doctor is, and which is not necessarily a bad thing. But yes, also, what makes she, Doctor she, Who different to other action genre shows is is the lack of gun toting. And Joe jo Martin has been established as being a Doctor who does do that. I, I think it could be interesting to have her the regular fixture on the show, though. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I I I would also almost, you know, like we had the Doctor Light episodes. I could also see like sometimes we do like a mission to the unknown Dalek cutaway. Here's an episode about Joe Martin's Doctor that maybe sheds light on something that happened last week or something, but is a story that doesn't feature the the normal recurring cast at all. Yeah, I mean, you can. The, the because Joe Martin's whole character is the Doctor before before we've seen the Doctor, um, and is adding new canon backwards, as it were. Um, you 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 could like you could have the Doctor meet a villain one week who remembered her, but she didn't, and then the next week we see yeah. her first encounter. Joe Martin's Doctor's. First encounter with that villain. It's very Moffat-y, isn't it? Right, 
But, but I don't think it's a bad thing if it did, did that. I really um, hoped when 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 the, the that ridiculous timeless children thing happened, and it turns out there's there's you know infinite pre Hartman daughters now. I I had a moment of really hoping that this was a prelude to kind of basically turning it into a a, a franchise in the more literal sense of like mm. we could have, oh, we could I, have like I a did. South Korean version of Doctor Who or a Danish one or something or the American one and just like and they and they can all <laughs> sorry I I'm I'm now imagining a sort of like. Danish crime drama style yeah, show. Be amazing. I want to see that. I want to see completely different takes on it. And like the advantage of like blowing the doors of continuity like this is you can you can have these things and they can all have happened and that's fine. Um, yes, I, I I do think that a future for the show is possibly a sort of massive diversification of what it even is in that it doesn't even have to we've talked a lot about how it's not just a one television show but if that became what the franchise kind of i don't know like just just completely commit to lots of different versions and they're all kind of true but they're all kind of not um not unlike what marvel does well exactly indeed or or which which russell t davis has said he thinks that that's a direction Doctor Who should and, go. And even more than that, you could... There's this thing with the Sony Spider-Man... Sorry, the Sony Spider-Man universe movies where they may or may not have um, the... Like, uh, Tom, yeah. what's-his-face's Spider-Man in. Um, but, like, I was going to say Tom Harwood, but that's not... That's, that's not right. Um, Tom Holland's Doctor. Uh, Tom Holland's spy. Oh my god. Tom Holland's Spider-Man in. Um, if, if, but if they're you're not. Thinking that's about not the, saying they necessarily. If you're thinking take... about the Tom Harwood Spider-Man. Twitter really has poisoned your brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom Harwood is a doctor. Oh no. Um, to, to, to but like but... this spiraling sentence in a little. Sorry. Yeah. Um, as as long as the doctor doesn't go back to being a white man or maybe just a man. Like I think the important thing is that the next doctor should be a woman again so that they can't go, aha, the experiment failed. Yes. But beyond that, I am more interested in who the next showrunner is than the I, next doctor. Yeah, I think I'm I, I'm not dissimilar. I, I actually have confidence that we have so many great actors. Um that there exist so many great actors that the right person doing the casting can make a, a good choice that i would be happy with but it's got to be the right per- and we've talked a lot about the how the flaws it's very notable that when we've been criticizing the show currently we haven't been issuing that many criticisms of um uh jody who i, I think, think she's been poorly hmm. served um i, I would like yeah, to I, yeah i think i think I, agree. I, I think that's a pretty fair that's a very yeah. universal take, i would like right? to, i would like to have seen some more steel but when when she's been given that material she's been great um I think especially in the first her first season, her dialogue is often very functional and she hasn't she just doesn't have anything that she can turn into a big scene. I, I, I mean I, I agree that the key thing is the is the showrunner decision and I really hope it's well firstly I would like it to be a woman. Um because because it never has been and I think that you know, yeah. I think different perspectives do have a value in and of themselves. And secondly, I would ideally like it to kind of be a generational shift. I mean like David Davis yeah. Moffat, Chibnall are all like within a sort of six, seven year age range. They're all they're they're all yeah. old enough to remember the old show. They're all they're all white British men. Um I would kinda of, I would kinda well, like to see not... someone come at it from a completely different direction. And and and, and we're surprise not quite me. yet far enough 
I think. I know it's been 16 years, but we're not quite yet at the point when someone who grew up watching New Who has advanced to the point in their career that they could be running Doctor Who. We're not quite that actually far off, I would say, but I just think that there's not... Yeah, seniority in the television business for a showrunner, you have to be sort of... Right, exactly. Probably a little bit older than but, that. But, like, five years. Although, um... Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember her name because I'm not. It's not. It's not my. It's not something I'm that into. But the the woman who's just run Loki is is only about thirty. Isn't oh she? yeah, Kate. Is it Kate Heron? And that's that's course really interesting. And actually, now I... that I think about it, Michaela Cole's only in no, her twenties. No, no, I'm, I'm frantically googling now. They were both born in 1987. Um, Okay. So that's that's the age I'd pretend to be on the grounds so that was the year my partner was born. Um, but... uh, so it's, it's interesting, of course, you mentioned Loki, because I think more than one person has made the comparison. And I think it, it not just in, in terms of subject matter, but in terms of the almost slightly weirdly one single narrative, but each episode is a different sort of genre sort of thing of it. It... People who made comparisons to Doctor Who, and I don't think they're entirely unwarranted. Um, I mean, I think, I think there has definitely been a thing where, like, you know, there, there was a point where Doctor Who is the biggest franchise in the world. I think it's probably it's faded from that that, that position again now. But there was a point around uh, in the run up to the fiftieth where I think that would have been a fair, a fair like in 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 the nineties. Yeah. Trek was the Star Trek was the was the sort of inescapable nerd text, and there was a point about eight ten years ago where where oh, Doctor what? Who was that. So you do you I, do I, see I, bits I think, of it filtering into other things in a way that you and thought. interestingly I think that the the handover probably was I mean there are different different scales but like MCU is now the nerd text yeah yeah. I, 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 not everyone. I think it's probably true to say that if you're uh, into like sci-fi fantasy fandoms, you may not like MCU, but you almost certainly have an opinion on the MCU. Yeah, my feeling is that unavoidably, whatever the future of Doctor Who is, it will definitely take some element of fingerprint from what Marvel is doing. And some people will absolutely cringe at that. And some people will be like, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like a brilliant idea. What I don't think you can deny is that it, that influence is unavoidable because, as you say, the, the, the old school landscape of TV isn't there anymore to support yeah. what it used to be. Um, it's it interesting because, of course, I think Doctor Who, it, you, know, it's, you don't really get shows that run for 20 years on streaming services but you often get ones that run for even more than two seasons right and yeah. I don't think Doctor Who really supports that kind of model I think it often likes to have a place that it lives and can live for a while okay um, uh, wrap up question oh. unless you have something you're burning no, no, to add no thank you for it. Uh, because, because it is I feel an obligatory question dream casting for the next Doctor God, you'd think I've spoken about. I've thought about this beforehand. Hang on, I do. I do have someone, and I can't remember her bloody name. G give me a second. We'll do some googling. Uh, I don't know because I don't know names either. Um, I would. I would have said. Well, I mean, he's not a he's not a woman, but I just like him. He was in it quite recently. I really like Nathan Stewart. Jarrett does a lot of um, uh, genre stuff, and yeah. I I like him. 
Uh, it, it would, he would be in the tradition of people who've already been in the show being asked. quite. Uh, but like I said, I think it has to be a woman. Yeah. So, um, so there was. There well, I was, think I've, I've remember. I found it now. There, there was someone like angrily tweeting a couple of years ago. Oh God, what's next? Like a black trans woman as Doctor Who, and I just thought Laverne Cox would be amazing as Doctor Who. Oh, she's too. She's I a bit. She's, she's American. She wouldn't know. But what I, it would, was, right? I, I would. I would right, get behind exactly. that. I I, I I draw the line at Americans, <laughs> I'm afraid. Um, really? Do you? I don't think... Well, I, yeah, I, I think I, so. I, I weirdly have I, a strong I, view that okay. like, an, an African-American would be fine, but a white American wouldn't, and I can't really justify that. But I do, I, I do feel that way. <laughs> I think it's the accent, actually, for me. I think I think, I think think the thing is that the character... It's, it's really silly, of course, but, like, it would just feel odd to me, I think. I, oh, I, it would it it wouldn't bother me. I mean, there were people who were thrown by the accent of the Ninth Doctor to the point where Russell T Davis even makes a joke about it. That's but, true, I suppose. Uh, that doesn't bother me. Yeah, I mean, no. maybe the right maybe the right casting. I mean, I I still think, and and, and this isn't a particularly hot take, and I don't I don't think she's at the right point in her career or, or even particularly interested in it. But if she was, Michaela Cole would be great. Yeah, I haven't actually seen anything she's been in, but like everything I hear about, I like, like, like I may destroy you is like on my list. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, she's she she has now gone into the stratosphere. I fear. And the uh, thing about somebody like that, who also does her own independent writing and production and stuff, is that a bit like Peter Capaldi with Stephen Moffat, they all they won't just get shoved around by a producer. They all they'll shove back and I think a bit of that interplay it can go wrong but it can be very good yeah I think the answer is I, I, I just don't know and I don't know the fact her names um but yeah yes you are you are you are one of those people who's more like that guy <laughs> pointing at a photograph right yeah exactly um I, I actually did have one last question okay uh which is um in the episode the ring the rings of akhenaten uh is akhenaten a planet or a sun venner is making a joke about the fact that i think this is a more burning contradiction than unit dating i mean i'm genuinely asking john is it a planet or a sun i have not got there on my rewatch i don't remember that episode well enough but i can tell you this 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 enables me to do my to, to, to get into the plug i've been burning to do again um there, oh, is, yes, there, there, is, there yes. is a whole bit in my, 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 my book, The Compendium of Not Quite Everything, available now from all re- book retailers, good or bad, uh, about the fact that Pluto got demoted from planetary status in 2006. Because I, 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 I just like, I mean, like, it's written into Doctor Who, isn't it? There's a story called The Tenth Planet. There are, only, there are now only yes. eight planets because they changed the rules. Um, so this. Right. It's, 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 it's weird as well because, of course, like I, I was at school after the, they made that change, and like, what, what, what do they learn a different like mnemonic now? Mnemonic. Good also, question. like something, something I discovered uh, researching this book is that this has happened before because in like the mid nineteenth century um, series, the asteroid was a planet, and so was Eris, and so it's like they they started adding all the bigger asteroids mm. in until suddenly there were like twenty three planets or something, and then someone decided and this was like, too well, many, probably... so they changed the rules about what counted, and all that's happened is that is you know there is nothing new under the sun. Right, it's a bit all like. So depending on who you ask, people tell you that Earth has a second moon, uh, Cruinia, 
which is basically just a tiny rock that happens to be in our orbit. Surely, there's, surely oh, on that cool. basis, there's like loads of things out there. It's just that none of them are... You've got to have some rules. Well, um, see you. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to plug for you, because you haven't mentioned it, you do also have a sub stack, which I read, because I quite enjoy the oh, map. Oh, thank nerdery. you. That's, that's, yeah, I, I, was, I was keeping my plug. I, I feel it's important not to plug too many things, or you look like you look well, self-indulgent. But thank you very much. Well, I'll plug it, because I enjoy it. Anyway, um, been really great having <laughs> you, you on. Thank you very much for um, giving me an opportunity to you. talk about Doctor Who for an hour and a half and pretend it counted as work. Uh, yeah. It, it def- absolutely did because you can you, you, write it off on your taxes. Right, exactly. It, uh, you could if it cost you any money. Right, yeah. I don't know how you. I don't know how you write off <laughs> podcasting uh, on on tax forms, but we have yet to find out. Um, thank you so much, Don Edge, for talking yes. to us here today. Um, I've been very eager to start getting more voices in, and this has been an exceedingly good first test of the waters. So thank you. Very thank much. you very much for having uh, me. It's been a delight. Uh, I'm Renner. I'm Flick. And this has been Relative Digressions.